Welcome to the latest episode of the X-Files Retrospective Podcast, released through Bureau 42. I'm your host, Blaine Dowler. This week we're discussing Dud Calm, or Dud Calm, I'm not entirely sure how to pronounce it, it's D-0-D-K-A-L-M. This episode originally aired on March 10th, 1995, and the episode is designed to take place around that time. Scully actually quotes March 12th as one of the days involved. The episode spans multiple days. The average IMDb user score is 7.7 out of 10, and most of the action in this one takes place in the Norwegian Sea. So we get a U.S. tanker where most of the crew are abandoning ship before they turn out like the other guys. The captain stays behind. A Canadian freighter picks up that ship and brings them aboard. It's actually a little interesting as a Canadian myself to see the paper $2 bills. Those were replaced with the Toonie coins a few years ago. But they actually do have the last generation of the Canadian $2 bill out as props on the table. So some of it was interesting just by you know, seeing this old currency that I haven't seen in a while. And some of it I found is interesting because it also tells the stakes of the poker game being played between the guys on this Canadian cruiser. It's mostly coins, including the loonies or the $1 coins, as well as a bunch of silver, so quarters, nickels, dimes. Now, in these days, they still had pennies, but these days we don't. Now, in terms of the production crew, Rob Bowman is directing again, and he would continue to direct other episodes down the road, and we get his signature very visual style including long sequences without dialogue where it's just acted out to tell the story. This also turned out to be Alex Gans's final episode of The X-Files. And he'd worked largely with Howard Gordon. When he left on his paternity leave in season one, Howard Gordon kept going and collaborated with Chris Carter. In this case, Gans didn't just leave The X-Files, he left TV entirely for almost five years. And he spent those years as a family man. When he came back to TV in 1998, he worked on different projects. Howard Gordon continued with The X-Files for a few years after this. We also have some fairly notable guest stars here. We have John Savage as Tron Time. At this point, he'd already been in The Deer Hunter, in Hair, in Godfather Part 3. We've got David Cubitt as Captain Barkley, and he is probably most recognizable for a role in Medium. He was in 121 episodes of that. Now, Vladimir Kulich was the Beast on Angel and had a number of other roles. The episode itself is the classic sci-fi rapid aging trope that's used in a lot of shows. We saw it in Star Trek in the deadly years. We saw it in an episode of MacGyver. There's been a number of shows that have been using this one. They do address some of the scientific issues with having people age at an accelerated rate. I mean, if we look at the episode of Star Trek Next Generation, where there were pockets where time ran at an accelerated rate, and Captain Picard went to reach for a piece of fruit, and his fingernails grew to incredibly long proportions, that wouldn't work. If that hand accelerated that much through time to have enough time to grow fingernails that long, it would have gone gangrenous and died from lack of oxygen because the rest of the body wasn't providing it quickly enough. There would have been pressure issues in the circulatory system as that hand pumped the blood out of it much faster than replacement blood was coming into it. He basically would have lost that hand. In this case, they actually make a point of saying that they're only seeing some of the symptoms. If this was true aging, their hair would be turning gray, and it wasn't. Their hair wasn't even growing. So they're just saying, no, this is something different that's producing the outward signs of aging rather than actually aging or having a different amount of time differential itself. And that is what Mulder was proposing, was that it's wormhole experimentation, it's a different flow of time. But if you were in a situation where time is flowing different, you wouldn't perceive that difference. By looking at yourself, you look at it by seeing those around you, You'd find the air gets stale as it's not circulating properly. You'd get those kind of results, and now what we're seeing here. Now, there was some hesitation 
in terms of the production staff to make this one in the first place just because of the makeup effects and how difficult it is to do that on a TV budget with TV timescales to make people look old. Now there is some wiggle room here because they do establish it's not true aging and just something with comparable symptoms, but it's still not the best. I mean, they've got decent makeup, but they look more like prune-faced aliens or monsters than they do people who are actually growing old. Uh, Some of the work on the hands with the arthritic knuckles and such is actually fairly well done. But a lot of the faces, it's just rubber wrinkles. And it never quite worked for me. At least not as the aging. There is some wiggle room because I said, oh, it's not aging. It's just producing similar symptoms. So you could use that to justify some of the differences. I do enjoy the performances. David Duchovny's got a little bit of a head bob that you see in some of the older generation that actually works really well in terms of selling it. But the makeup itself, it just looked a little too rubbery. They came closer than most series have, certainly closer than Star Trek had 30 years prior, but it's still not up to the quality that we've seen in effects and makeup in other episodes and other shows, especially since then. There are some things that the technologies didn't exist to really do it well at the time, especially not in early 1995. It's also nice to see Scully in a position of strength. Often, if only one of them is going to be threatened, it is going to be Scully. And it can come across as a little bit sexist in some of these cases. In this time, it's Mulder who's actually having the rougher time. And it's Scully who is able to hold it together and make the real progress and figure out what's going on. This is one of the cases where it's not so much Mulder and Scully themselves who saved the day, but the cavalry showing up in the last minute, almost in a day XX mock in a moment. Now, in this case, it is established that the Navy knew where they were and they had check-in times, and if they didn't report in by such and such a date and time, they would come looking for them. So it didn't feel quite as deus ex machina, but it's still the case that had they been left to their own devices, Mulder and Scully would have been dead. And if these people hadn't swooped in at the last minute and pulled them out and found them, it was last minute enough that Mulder and Scully were both unconscious and the ship they were in sank less than an hour later because it was taking on water. To me, it's not that satisfactory of an ending because our heroes didn't save the day. Yet, true, Scully's notes did help and that goes a long way, but still there was no way they were going to get out of it if the others hadn't come in to save them. So that about wraps it up for this week. We do have a very significant episode coming up that we'll discuss in two weeks' time, so please join us then for Humbug. Thank you. Intro and outro music is Outside Poolside by Laswell, created under the Creative Commons license. All other content copyright 2015, Bureau 42. Please feel free to send any comments or feedback to bureau42podcasts at gmail.com or leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher. Thank you for listening.